The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. On today's episode, we wanted to talk about how AI is impacting the environment. So there's a lot of use cases where AI and cognitive technologies are being applied to help reduce with energy usage and consumption, and it has a positive impact as well. But as we talk about a lot on this podcast, data is at the heart of AI, and it takes a lot of compute power to train machine learning models. And anybody who's been in the industry knows that it's expensive and has a big environmental impact on all the compute power that's needed to run all of these systems. So we wanted to spend some time today talking about how AI is impacting the environment, both good and bad. Yeah. And just bear with me for this podcast. As you could probably tell, I have a little bit of a laryngitis, but hopefully our content will power through the audio quality. (laughs) This is not for those of you that are new to the AI Today podcast, rest assured, this is not what I usually sound like. But as Kathleen was mentioning, AI has a really interesting impact on the environment, both on helping data scientists, environmental engineers, technologists gain a better handle on the environment, as well as, of course, it has impact on the environment through its use of computing power. And I think on the plus side, if we just talk about sort of the positive impacts, there's the challenge of environmental issues across the board. So it's everything from dealing with trying to understand how climate change may impact an organization's existing system. So like, exactly. so being able to predict impacts of climate change on different systems, but also the ability for uh, these AI systems to be able to help and model different kinds of ways that we're using resources to hopefully impact and improve the way that we use those resources in the environment. Right. Machine learning models are able to, you know, analyze very small changes in data and spot patterns, see trends, and then we're able to take proactive actions and steps to hopefully reduce some of the environmental impact. So that's a positive thing. Also, a lot of organizations nowadays are really focused on their environmental footprint, and a lot of consumers are as well. So many organizations are now committed to restoring, you know, and minimizing some of their energy and, you know, pollution consumption of various, you know, fossil fuels, things like that. So various companies are looking at their environmental impact and AI is helping to monitor and address some of those changes. Yeah. And I think from a data perspective, because especially if you're thinking about large organizations, so let's think about not necessarily the small business or even the medium-sized business. If you think of a large multinational corporation and their footprint overall, maybe not even necessarily thinking about their environmental footprint, just thinking about their overall footprint, organizations are already starting to be more mindful of their impact on the environment, whether it's consumption of goods and products, their transportation footprint, which is getting their employees to and from the office, their transportation footprint, you know, when they're traveling around the world, their usage of electricity and energy and other resources. And companies now just have part of their mission, part of their global missions to be much more focused and aware of their environmental footprint. And as a matter of fact, some companies have done some studies and reach out into this area as part of their corporate social responsibility area. And, you know, Intel, for example, has 
been focused on reducing its electric footprint and its consumption of resources, and even things like reducing its global water footprint. And that's part of, that has something to do with AI, but it's actually just in general what they're trying to do around their social uh, do social good mission. Right, exactly. But it's more than just being do good. It's more about, you know, they're honestly looking at their resources and probably thinking about it also from a business perspective, because consuming less resources does also have a bottom line. Yes, it does. Which actually is pretty nice, you know, that you can be environmentally friendly and also save costs as well. So, you know, there is a nice double win there. And then additionally, we've talked about in previous episodes how AI can be used to help detect weather patterns a lot faster than it could in the past. So this is, you know, really useful, especially if there's hurricanes coming or, you know, natural disasters. We're able to predict this, hopefully, you know, within a time frame that it can help have people seek shelter or escape the area and hopefully save lives. And so we've started to see a real impact on that, which is also very positive. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a whole new area of science where data science and environment and and weather and geophysics all collide in this area called climate informatics. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't heard of it, you should take a look at it. You can look at what National Geographic and others have talked about it. And the whole idea of climate informatics is to basically learn and predict weather patterns in particular, but also how that impacts other aspects of the ecosystem. For example, one company that has uh, one organization that's basically built an AI-enabled tool in the climate informatics area has generated these 30 climate models. An intergovernmental pattern on climate change at the UN is using to currently utilizing those models to understand the impact of what would happen. So, for example, one of these AI-developed models can understand the extent and nature of climate changes in specific areas around things like algal blooms and how that might happen and use models to predict how one small change here may have some impact somewhere else. Right, because that can be pretty harmful to freshwater bodies all over the planet. And so if we're able to detect that and notify authorities of these blooms, then we're able to take preventive measures before it does long-term damage. So that's something that's really interesting. And then also there's also things have been deployed in space to monitor the planet from afar, which is also pretty cool that we wouldn't have been able to do without some of these enabling technologies. Right. I mean, and just like we have weather conditions that are here visible on the ground, whether it's, you know, wind and water and, you know, temperature, there are these other sort of patterns that are happening around the globe and machine learning systems are helping us understand those patterns. For example, is what's known as the atmospheric rivers, which are basically sort of these currents that help propel things like tropical cyclones and mm-hmm. weather fronts. And these ideas of what's called the atmospheric river is the idea that, of course, you know, we're in a self-contained world. So what happens on one side of the planet is going to eventually make its way to the other side of the planet, right? And so they have traditionally been very difficult for humans to try to understand and model the impact, even with supercomputers, which are used very widely in weather forecasting. You try to predict or you try to sort of take your current data and predict it to the future. It's interesting because machine learning here is adding some significant value by basically saying, well, I may not be able to model this at the same level of detail as a supercomputer, but I can give you some predictions to say, oh, well, I've seen this pattern before. So perhaps this combination of wind and water temperature and blah, blah, blah may end up resulting in some weather situations halfway around the world. Right. I know, because they're all interconnected. Yep. Right. And this also, in our AI and farming podcast, we had talked about this, but AI is being used heavily in farming, and it's also taking into account 
the environment as well. So, you know, it's able to help smaller farms that may not have access to some of the large technology and resources that some of the larger farms have. And it's able to help them increase their crop yields, be able to better predict weather patterns so they know what time of year, specific time of year to plant certain crops, things like that, so that they can just get, you know, higher yields. And also with water usage, it's able to help with that, with fertilizing, when to apply specific fertilizer, what types of fertilizer is needed. So it's able to help with that environmental impact as well, where we're able to limit the consumption of of fertilizer. We're not overwatering, or if we're predicting a drought, maybe we'll plant some crops that are more drought resistant than others. It's able to take all of those factors into consideration so that we're able to still have crop yield while also watching our environmental impact. Um, The Columbia University published an article not too long ago that's part of their Earth Institute where they tracked some of these AI-based applications for farming and other direct applications here on Earth. And they said that farmers in India are using these AI-enabled systems to get 30% higher crop yield of various products. And that's probably because it's optimizing sort of the planting time, the fertilizer, the watering. When you can optimize these things, you obviously will get better results because Mm -hmm. you can not waste water and not waste fertilizer and maybe under do, do the wrong thing. And in that same article, they talked about how Norway is actually using artificial intelligence systems to grow its use of renewable energy as they started to build this automated electrical grid. Because now we have electrical grid, but different, you know, electricity is generated and used in different ways. And if you can produce enough electricity to meet the specific needs without overproducing it, obviously you'll generate less emissions because power plants are notorious for generating a lot of emissions, although you have environmentally friendly approaches with wind and with solar, with water and nuclear. But, you know, given that we have this match, we're trying to match electrical production with electrical consumption, AI systems are usable just like they're usable in financial trading systems. We can use it to optimize energy matching. Yep. And optimize any resource. And so in this case, it's, you know, energy resource. So that's a really, really powerful use case for that because it's helping to optimize the sustainability of the system. And then it can also help prevent things like power outages so that, you know, we don't have surges and then power outages. So that's also a really powerful way that we're able to use AI to help make an impact on the environment. Yeah. As mentioned, this is just another data system. So if you want to think of it that way, it's a large data system, just like, you know, anything else like evaluating tweets, you know, sentiment analysis, same thing, trying to find patterns, patterns in data. Yep. It's the same general approach, right? And so these are some really positive use cases that we're talking about. But, you know, there's always, it's always a double-edged sword, right? There's always the good and the bad. So with the good of monitoring and, you know, being able to control our consumption and, you know, look to be more environmentally friendly. We also do have to acknowledge that we are, this is a resource that we're using and we are, you know, doing some damage and having an impact as well that might not always be so positive. So, you know, as we've talked about, a lot of machine learning training is done with GPUs and GPUs are very power intensive. So to run machine learning training, it's already been cited when using GPUs that it's contributing to increased CO2 emissions. So that is something that we need to be mindful of. You know, everybody wants faster and faster compute power and they want to do things. It's a time versus cost thing. They don't want to be spending week training a model, but then at the same time, you're using, you know, pretty power intensive GPUs that do have an environmental impact. As a matter of fact, there was a study that was done not too long ago, which we'll link in our show notes, that talks about how the impact of machine learning training on the environment. One study showed that for a particularly intense training model used over 300,000 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent to create the process of training that single model, 
which is not, it seems high and actually is. It's, it's equivalent yes, to basically, it's, it's equivalent to like what, five? It's you know, five average, average cars in the United States. Yeah. So, you know, that, wow. Over what period of time? That's actually, it's not clear. It's like five driving for a week. I know. I was thinking that. I was like, day. is that over one year or it's what? Kind of hard to tell. But, but we'll basically, have to take a little deeper into that But if that you think study. about it, some of these really advanced models. So if you've been following some of the advanced models in machine learning, like a GPT-2, especially the big one, it required a lot of compute power to create lots of servers, lots of data, lots of training cycles. And you try to understand, like, well, how many kilowatts or megawatts of energy was basically needed to train that? And the answer is quite a bit. So that does have environmental impact. So on the one hand, you have machine learning systems that during the training cycle can potentially use a lot of carbon dioxide or consume a lot of energy, which would then possibly result in, in emissions. But at the same time, the use of those models doesn't necessarily have the same impact. Like using a right. machine learning model that's already been trained will only have the impact of the system where that model is being used. Right. And so, you know, you're not constantly training the model. So you're not constantly having this environmental impact. But as more and more people are starting to use AI within their organization and we're training more models and we're bringing more to the forefront, then this is something that we do need to be mindful of because we have almost limitless compute power and data storage and it feels like it's free, basically, you know, and you don't see the immediate impact of this. So it's hard to sometimes really comprehend what this type of impact has. But I mean, that I don't know what over the course of how many days, weeks, months, the use of five cars, that it's equivalent to five cars. But that's impactful. You know, you're like, wow, I, I trained this one model and it was like driving five cars on the road for some amount right. of time. So it puts things into perspective a little. Right. Of course, you know, it's all about sort of what are you what goal are you trying to achieve? What's the end goal? And you know, one of the interesting things is, well, can we use AI systems to help optimize the training of AI systems, right? And that's the you know, AI-enabled optimization is something people are looking at, which is that, you know, okay, well, maybe I don't need to use this many. Maybe I can have my machine learning models figure out, help optimize the creation of machine learning models. Hey, great use case. That would be great, right? And so it's kind of like one technology is helping the other. Of course, computing itself is starting to get more and more efficient. You know, we're starting to see more efficient GPU infrastructure, more efficient CPU infrastructure. Of course, we're starting to see greater use of pre-trained models, which mm -hmm. would reduce the time and complexity for training these models. So I think at the end of the day, the positive side, which is using AI systems to build these models to help predict these complicated environmental and climate-related issues and helping companies manage the resources may have a greater impact on right. the reduction of that stuff than any of the consumption of building the model that was supposed to be used for that. And another thing that it's doing is it's bringing it to the forefront. So, you know, as you're looking to deploy these models or train or do whatever, you know, it's just nice to know, okay, what is this impact and how can I make a difference? How can my organization do things to limit my footprint in the environment? And so these are just really great questions to ask. Some of it's AI related, some of it's more uh, socially responsible. But, you know, how can you use AI to help limit your footprint? And that's, you know, a really great thing that you should constantly be thinking about. We talk about operationalization versus training. If you guys are not familiar with what that is, we encourage you to check out our CPMAI training and methodology. This helps organizations just like yours, figure out how to best run their AI projects. So we cover a bunch of terminology and we go through six phases of the CPM AI methodology to make sure that you are successfully running AI projects. And we spend some time talking about this. So in our methodology training, one of the modules focuses on model operationalization. 
And that's this idea of basically running the models in, in production and basically dealing with that. And of course, another module focuses on model training. So we spend a lot of time talking about building resource optimal models. So just for those of you who are listening, who are interested in putting AI into practice and haven't yet, I do encourage you to sign up for some of our live virtual training, or perhaps also to check online for more information about that. And uh, you can go to cognolitica.com slash training to find out more information. Right. So listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you enjoy listening to our podcast, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.